Welcome to Stories of Hope, brought to you by our friends at Hope 150. Stories of Hope features testimonies from around our country of the many ways God has given beauty for ashes and peace for despair. Tell us your story. Stories of Hope at hope150.ca. Here's Jacqueline Clements and Les Moore with today's Story of Hope. It is so good to come your way again here on AM 700 Delight for Stories of Hope. And uh, I'm excited, Jacqueline, because uh, this is a guest that you and I both know, but you invited him to come. Uh, do, do you know our guest a little bit? Uh, do you have some history? Yeah, Les, I don't have history with our guest, but I got to tell you and our listeners that I was so prompted to reach out to our gentleman. His name is Paul Buckner. Welcome to our studio, Paul. Thank you. And uh, I, I heard a little bit of his story last year, and uh, you know... I just was really prompted, truly, by the Holy Spirit to reach out and find out last minute, Paul, could you join us? And here he is in the studio. He has an amazing testimony. So if you go to our Facebook page, you'll see a picture of us with Paul. And as you'll hear coming up, and obviously, Paul, you're going to tell us your story. Um, But I'm not going to, you know, say too much, but Paul is visually impaired. And you've got some pretty incredible technology to help you uh, in this world, and I can't wait to hear more of your story, Paul. Um, Jacqueline, where, where do we start? Like, just right from, do you think that's a good place to start, right from what happened? or? Yeah, why don't we just start from where it all started from the beginning of your accident. Let's take it from there. Okay, well, in 1980, um, in February, <clears throat> I was traveling um, from a small town in Georgia to where my parents lived. I was 17 and I had um, moved out of the house at that time. And I was traveling to um, visit my parents and um, it was late. Um, I had a couple of buddies with me. They were coming along for the trip. And um, within um, a a few miles down the road, um, it started to get cold and misty. Again, it was a February um, evening. And all I recall is uh, my two buddies had already dozed off to sleep, turning up the heat and um, turning the radio off, and that was all I recall. Um, What had happened is I had veered off um, the highway and rear-ended a um, tractor-trailer that was parked on the side of the road. Um, From that that collision, um, one of my friends was killed. Uh, another friend of mine was uh, thrown from the truck and, and also severely injured. Um, the accident left me with uh, traumatic head injuries, which resulted in uh, severed, two severed optic nerves, which instantly um, took my sight away 100%. Um, I essentially woke up a week later in and out of intensive care, and that was the new road that uh, I was now traveling. Okay, so I have lots of questions um, just about that, but were you, I guess, were you, did you have a relationship with, with Jesus at that time? I had accepted Christ when I was nine years old, um, but really didn't follow or have a walk with Jesus because um, I, I think at that time my family was not f- um, 
really a Christian family, but recall I had grown up in the South, and in the South, um, Christianity at that time um, was as much culture as it was um, true Christianity or true walk, at least in my circles. Hmm. And um, so I never really grew as as a Christian the way I, I would want to have. And um, then my life went down pretty much a normal teenage life at that time, um, but it was not a, a close walk with Jesus. Um, I never denied Jesus. I just had stalled and wasn't growing. Um, when I was 17, um, my girlfriend and I, um, she became pregnant, which turned my life upside down, totally changed everything I had planned to do. Um, we ended up getting married, and um, after the accident, um, one thing led to another, and we, we separated. So it was um, that combination of events really turned my life upside down. Mm-hmm. So my natural question would be, because I know where you are today, and you, you minister, you love the Lord, and uh, you know, you're very productive um, uh, person here in, in our community. Um, but taking us back to that, that point, uh, when you found out in the hospital room that your uh, optic nerves were severed, that you would be blind, um, as trials tend to do, they either drive you away or they tend to drive you closer to the Lord. Um, having that initial invitation of Christ into your heart, after the accident, did it drive you away uh, through bitterness, or did it draw you closer to the Lord? What happened next? It was interesting because um, not only did I have head injuries, but I was pretty much broken head to foot. There was not many major bones that weren't broken. So I was in a month in intensive care, um, which the doctor said even that was a miracle in itself that I, that because my, my injuries, I was out that quick, but I did move back in, um, in, in, in the house with my parents, um, during that recovery because the hospital was in the town that they lived in. Um, it was then that someone that they knew, um, brought a, um, tape, set of tapes of the Bible. And, with a lot of time on my hands, that was the first time I actually read the Bible, beginning to end, hmm. and again, and I met, read it <laughs> again, and suddenly I thought, what have I been missing all this time? And the richness of the Word, I think, was when I really began to love um, just how um, broad and deep the Word is and how alive it is, because it did speak to me then, and I think that was the real attention-getter that uh, a faithful God used in that, that moment and that experience for me. And um, this is all at the age of 17, right? Yeah, I turned 18. Um, let's see, that would have been about six weeks after my accident. Yeah. So then, Paul, it was the Word of God itself that just drew you closer. It wasn't necessarily the, the trial that you were in that made you seek the Lord. It was just like the Word of God uh, took root in your heart and, and drew you closer. Well, I, I think obviously the the injury and the recuperation time made me stand still. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but it was the word that um, the time to have to be able to listen to to the word um, and begin to ponder it and and think about it and and see where um, where my life had been at that point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it took about a month 
in intensive care and then you moved home. Right. I am wondering where is your wife at that time? Well, you said yes. Yeah, she she joined me, and it was in that time when we were um, there in that city that um, our baby was born, and you can imagine for two young teenagers, um, yeah. didn't really know what to do. So I had plans. I I had planned to go into the Marine Corps. My my father was a Marine, and that seemed a logical place to go. I wanted to do adventure, um, and all that was changed, so I had to figure out what to do next. Um, it was approximately a year, year and a half later that we realized that, that we couldn't do this on our own, but we didn't know where to go, and, and, and the relationship separated at that time. I just need to make mention that you're married at 17. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> and your parents were—it just it seems really— Odd and a bit mind-boggling to me, even now. But I mean, when we're talking about 1980, even then, that was yes. yeah. odd. Yeah, and and the stigmas that go along with that in a relatively small town community in South in Georgia. Yeah, yeah. in the South. Yeah. Mm. So following this, and then you know the the word taking root in your heart, and then mm. your life basically starting over. Yeah, it, it, a brand new life in in so many ways, kind of like a new normal for you, again, because of the, mm. uh, the handicap mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. you know, the separation from your wife. And so you're really starting off new. Was it smooth sailing after that? Like, were, were you able to just simply learn Braille and learn how to function? Or did you hit some bumpy times after that, Paul? No, that, that, that I would have to say that was the beginning of, of the difficult times. Um, mm. That kind of defined it. I think being young, you don't know what's ahead of you. So... Remember, this was a time when there was no accessible internet. Um, right. Cell phones weren't around. So um, the idea of going back to school, because remember, I just I was just graduating from high school. So I took it probably another year, year and a half before I finally came around that I needed to go to university. But that was a challenge in itself because, again, there were so many th- obstacles that you have to overcome um, when you're learning at that level. And, and it was a struggle because um, while you, you might be admitted, that doesn't mean that there was a lot of necessary support. But also, you know, the loss of transportation, la- the loss of mm. independence. Yeah, that's um, huge. Having to do with that, you can't just go when you needed to go. So there was a whole other dependence that I had to learn that, that I really, in all honesty, fought against as long as I could. Um, which made it harder. Um, and then um, a normal anger, frustration, you know, periods of that came through. Um, and that's where you start to feel isolation, um, a lot of different things that people um, that, that have injuries like this or disabilities like this, especially brought on later, um, usually have a period where they go through. You see, that's what I was wanting to hear because yeah. it, it, earlier I felt like I was understanding that the accident happened and you just accepted it and moved on when I would expect there to be huge uh, reflection and, and just, you know, times of internal mourning and, and regret and, and, and uh, I don't know, maybe even rebellion. Who knows? I, I, I don't know. But uh, again, I look at where you are today and I think of that time and, and I do understand, so you would, you know, you did pass through some dark waters. Absolutely. And 
um, a bit of my parents' influence. Um, my dad was a six-one Marine, tough, and got the job done. Hmm. Well, my mom was like a five-two Spitfire. So there wasn't really an option to sit and feel sorry for yourself. That doesn't mean it didn't come later. Um, But there was that um, drive that my parents instilled in me early on, a a strong work ethic, um, setting, you know, setting objectives ahead of you and moving forward. Now, that that was probably what got me through that initial stage. And, and, And I'll say again, probably being so young that I was just naive enough not to realize it. I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm. So um, it wasn't until I took those steps um, that I started encountering the obstacles and the challenges. Um, and then eventually, um, you know, obviously I would, I would move out again on my own. And that's when you really start to, to find the struggle. So you're finding the struggle. You're moving out. I want to know where God appears. Because is there a moment, you you mentioned earlier in the interview that you read the Bible, you listened, not mm-hmm. read, let, read the Bible, listened to the Bible over and over and it, it took root. But that doesn't mean that everything was smooth sailing with God because you're just like the rest of us. I'm pretty sure that you asked God the question, why? Oh, regularly. Um and it still creeps into my my mm. thoughts. Yeah, I I think as I mentioned before, this was just the beginning. Um, mm. Going through university, um, struggling to get a degree, um, then struggling to get a job, um, then um, having again that that built up frustration mm. and anger and no real way because yes, I I had God had gotten my attention. Um, for sure. And he's never let me forget that. And I've never let go of that. But mm. I still had um, that will, you know, my, my own willfulness. And um, while on one hand, that drove me towards um, moving forward, it also, um, I would say, hindered me in a way that I wasn't turning it over to God. I was still in charge. I was still running. I was still, it's, it's up to me if it's going to happen. Um, and that's the next phase over years, and it wasn't it wasn't a quick a quick learn. I'm not that bright. Um, he essentially took years, and, and I I often say that I I sought truth, and I did. I, I studied philosophy, I studied theology. Mm. I really wanted to know why. I struggled with the Book of Job for years, um, thinking that I got it, and then it wasn't till. I even started looking at other religions. I said, well, you know, maybe I've got it wrong. You know, maybe maybe all this I've been told is wrong. I, I, I researched and tried to understand what their thinking was. And yet something in me never let go of the fact that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. I could never really deny it, although and practically I was when I was looking at these other truths or what I perceived as truths. But Again, God has a lot more patience than I have will, and he wore me down over time, thank goodness. And um, he eventually grew me to a point where I could understand. And, and then when you really open yourself up to the Holy Spirit, it's just I, I can't describe it unless you've been there. Um, the Holy Spirit begins to open up meaning and, and the depth and richness of the Word, and that's when I really started to grow. I, I will say that when I decided to go back to school— 
I had a couple options, and I chose to go to a smaller school um, in Tennessee that was a Christian-based university that offered um, different uh, programs, and that's when I went into the um, computer science area. But I wanted that Christian base, base. Um, so I went there, and again, um, I, I tried to understand a lot more, but I was still doing it on my terms. Um, and it wasn't through. It wasn't until uh, a lot more struggle that that the spirit really began to um, fine tune me and 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 purge that um, th- those those wandering paths. I would mm-hmm. say. Mm. So that would lead me to a place where you talk about, or you're leading up to a place where you surrendered. Yeah, I remember, um, and and it would have been about 22 years ago now. I had gone through all these different avenues of trying to understand truth, um, and I thought, you know, intellectually it was there. And then philosophically, it was there. Um, and I remember going to visit uh, some friends of mine uh, down in, in Oregon, um, just some time off. And I was on my way, actually, to go back and visit my family in the South. And on the plane, going from my friend's house to um, my my family's house, that's, I just, it's it's like the Spirit hit me with, a you know, a, a truth. He said, okay, enough. You've done that. I've been patient. Now it's time to get down to business and really follow me. And that's all I can say. I don't know other how to describe it. It was as real as, as we're sitting here talking now. That truth just just hit me. Hmm. When I was down there, um, we, we had a good visit, um, and I came back, and I just made up my mind I was going down to pursue the Christian path. That's, that's where I had to be. And it was a few months later after that I met my wife. Um, I had gone back to university to study biology, and we were both, uh, I guess, what they would call mature students at the time. And uh, she was studying education. I was into um, biology. And um, that's where, uh, again, I think that next phase in in both of our lives that we began to surrender to God. Mm. And then the process of growth, because I know you as a, as a mature man of the faith. Uh, the, the process of growth obviously continues, but from that moment that you're talking about uh, you know, in university and, and that, that surrender, uh, tell us a little bit about the process of sanctification, the growth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, you know, I, I have to say it probably wasn't more than five or six years ago that I really truly understood that concept of sanctification. And that um, molding that uh, you give up to when when you choose to surrender, and um, I, I think it's to me an ex- a very exciting um, proposition that I can continue to grow closer to God f- forever, right? Um, I can move towards that um, more Christ-like uh, life now. Um, and it's, it's never-ending. Uh, I, I think that's one reason I love playing music is uh, it's a lifetime of learning. Um, mm. you know, and, and that's that same sort of excitement that I get when I dig into the Word, and it leads me to sanctification. 
Again, I think we need to remind our listener that uh, Paul, Paul Buckner, who we're speaking with right now, is visually impaired. He, uh, you're 100% uh, visually impaired? 100%. 100%. Yep. I don't even see it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, the thing is, and this is kind of what I, what I wanted to get at, and in and, and Stories of Hope, we always highlight how people bring beauty for ashes. And I think you're a classic example of this because I always have seen you as this uh, very... F- um, fruitful person. He's he's a brilliant guitarist, for example, and so we should have brought the guitar, and, and you could <laughs> yes. play for us, actually. Yeah, we um, I, I'm just impressed with your um, you're like polished, man. You're there's this word I learned in the New Testament. Maybe in your studies you learned it as well. Paul talked about presenting every man perfect in Christ Jesus in the Book of Colossians, and I thought to myself, Wow, perfect. That's quite a quite a thing to want to accomplish for his disciples uh, or his learners. Well, it, it means basically like a consummate person, somebody who's learned and matured and is, is consummate in their ways. Uh, I, I see you around and, and you just seem to be like that to me. And yet you have this uh, handicap, if that's mm-hmm. the right way to put it, yeah. and you've overcome it, it, it would seem, and uh, you're so productive. Uh, it just seems like this blindness is now like an afterthought for you. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems that way to me because of how you conduct yourself. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And, and, and I would have to say that, um, yeah, the blindness never goes away. Um, it's always there. Um, I'm, I'm never, have never forgotten it. I can see. Matter of fact, I still, when I think, I still think very visually. Hmm. So there's always that reminder, um, the, the only thing that comes to mind is is that thorn, um, you know, that, that, that Paul talks about. For me, um, this is a continuous reminder that, that uh, I'm 100% dependent on hmm. my God. Um, and he has blessed me. He's, he's laid the, the path before me. But the struggle never goes away. Um, I, I appreciate your, your gracious compliment, but I, I would have to say in reality— yeah, the day by day, um, yeah, you're you're never reminded that that you're human, that you're weak, and uh, that there's that 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 thing that makes you different from mm-hmm. everyone else. Whether that's good or bad, um, some days that's okay, some days it's it's terrible, right? But mm-hmm. um, it is by the grace of God that um, continues to grow and, and get that momentum to push me through. So. Paul, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question. When the accident happened, you're 17, you have your whole life ahead of you, did you ever consider suicide? Early on, um, especially when I was uh, alone and by myself, and I asked those questions, why? Um, That's when I actually struggled with uh, the book of Job when when the statement came out, you know, I, I just wish I had not been born. It would have been mm-hmm. better if I had not been born. I can't say that I actually considered suicide and taking that in my own hands, but um, I don't know that it's that far different. What, what was the worth of, of mm-hmm. my life at that time? And, and that's the closest I got. Um, and, and it was then, again, staying in the Word that, that worked me through that. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a really good answer. And I think you're, I think you're right. I think that's actually not much different um, except actually carrying through, but the thought is there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, thoughts 
actually some, most times lead to actions. And so, but, but you know, that's, that's another reason why I, I fell in love with the word because I have mm-hmm. yet to find any real life circumstance that hasn't been covered <laughs> or hasn't been talked about or hasn't been dealt with. And it's not, a, it's not always a human answer, right? That right. Step one, step two, step three, done. You get what you want. It's, it's working it through, right? That intertwining relationship with God mm-hmm. that, for me, is what the Bible purpose is. It's, it's not to always give me answers, but to show that, that relationship. Yeah. Nothing new under the sun. That's right. That's right. And there's mm-hmm. not. There really isn't, yeah. Yeah. So that seems like a really great segue for us on Stories of Hope, we always like our guests to define hope. How would they define hope in their life? When and Paul, can you do that for us? Can you define hope? Um, yeah. When when I think of that question, um, I, I think an obvious question or an answer. Sorry, the obvious answer for a, a Christian is uh, my hope is in Jesus, and 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 that's true. Um, but I, I also love a way an old hymn says it in, in the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. When I think about those two things, um, I, I think it really comes home or, or the most impact for me when I realize that, you know, a, a all-sovereign, all-powerful God looks at me through the blood of Jesus Christ um, and doesn't see my frail attempts at hmm. being good. Um, for some reason, for me, that made so much sense that God doesn't see me and, and all my shame and all my um, disappointments, but he sees Jesus, which for the Christian is why it makes sense. Um, and that's my hope. That's my hope. Hmm. Uh, I have one last question for you, Paul. What would you say to a person who may be listening today who may be recently handicapped. Maybe they have uh, recently walked into a, a permanent disability of some kind, and they may be feeling the despair. Hmm. What, what do you say to them? That, that's a hard question, and, and I say why it's hard is because when you have that disability— I don't know that there's necessarily any answer that anyone can give because they're not living it. Um, So I think starting with that realization that, you know, you are where you're at. um, You have to make that decision that you're going to move forward um, and grapple with that um, and and be what you, you know, you can be fulfilled to be. Um, I wholeheartedly believe that God gives me that strength. Um, without God, I would not have been able um, to make any progress to where I want to be today. Um, I, I don't know that that struggle of being disabled ever goes away, but it is that hope that I have that I can um, move forward beyond it and above it and through it. Well, we've been listening uh, to Paul Buckner in our studio today. Thank you so much for coming in. Mm-hmm. I just marvel at who you are. And I, as I was listening to you just now, thinking about this young man who had his whole life ahead of him and then had this really tragic accident and how the Lord has brought hope 
from your story. And it is our desire here at Stories of Hope that we give hope to those that are listening. And I really believe that you have done that today. So thank you, Paul, for coming in. Thank you. So, Paul, I know that you're not on social media, but you are a brilliant classical guitarist, uh, an incredible minister. When you play and speak, it's, it, it truly is heavenly. Uh, but since you're not on social media, I'm just going to invite people, if they want to contact us here at Stories of Hope, uh, we will be, we'll be the bridge and we'll get you in contact with Paul. And, of course, uh, you can hear this program again when you go to um, hope150.ca and just click on the Stories link there, and you can hear Paul's story again, or you can take the URL and share it. Uh, Paul, thanks again for coming in. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Stories of Hope with Jacqueline Clements and Les Moore on AM700 The Light. Share your story with us. Stories of Hope at hope150.ca.